Church Sermons. This sermon was preached by Pastor Scott Kappelman during a Sunday worship service. We hope you enjoy and share the message. We have worshiped the Lord through singing today, and we've been reminded of Jesus' birth in Bethlehem, and rightfully so. But what I would like to do this year for just a few weeks as we move toward Christmas is to go back and study John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. Now, we're not going to cover all of those verses today. We're just going to look at a few verses today, and then we'll look at some other portions of it. And John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18 is known as the prologue to Jesus's life. It's the prologue. That means it's the backstory, if you will. So often at Christmas, because the material that we have on Jesus' birth is really limited, we only have some information in Matthew chapter 1 and chapter 2, and then we also have some information about Jesus' birth in Luke chapter 1 and chapter 2, and those are the four chapters that are devoted to the birth of Jesus. And I want to encourage you over the next few weeks to read through Matthew 1 and 2 and Luke 1 and 2 to be refreshed in what the birth of Jesus was all about, all of the circumstances surrounding His birth. But if you want to know the backstory, the prologue to Jesus' life, you have to go to John chapter 1, verses 1 through 18. And as I've been thinking about this concept of the prologue, it has taken me back in my childhood to my high school years when I was taking high school English and Uh, Miss Beverly Doss was my teacher. Some of you may know her. She comes to Mississippi State basketball games quite a bit. She's a huge Mississippi State fan. But Miss Beverly Doss was our teacher, and she required us to read The Canterbury Tales by Geoffrey Chaucer. Anybody read The Canterbury Tales? Okay, I'm so sorry uh, that you had the same experience that I did. And Miss Doss did not do a whole lot of things in terms of us doing memorization. But one thing that she did request of us when we were going through the Canterbury Tales is we had to recite from memory the prologue to the Canterbury Tales. Now, I can do a lot of things, and I've learned how to do a lot of things in life, but one thing I'm not good at is memorizing. Some of you might not believe that the way I preach on Sundays because I don't use a lot of notes But I'm not good at memorizing. I learn how to think in thought blocks. This is the thought block I want to teach you. This is a thought block. This is, but I don't memorize anything. I'm not even good at memorizing scripture. So when Miss Doss said, we're going to memorize the prologue to the Canterbury Tales, I'll tell you what I felt like the day she introduced the concept. I felt like I was in the Charlie Brown costume, uh, cartoon, and the teacher was at the front of the room, and all I was hearing was, wah, 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 well, we're going to memorize the Canterbury Tales. Wah, 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 wah. That's what I was hearing in my mind as she was doing that. Well, I eventually went and did my turn. She had us come at an off period, study hall or recess. We had to drop by her room and recite the Canterbury Tales, and I had to do it three different times because I was so bad. The first time, she said, you need to go practice some more. And I said, it doesn't matter how many times I practice, I'm not good at this. And she said, well, you're going to practice some more. So I went back and did it again. I think I made the second time maybe a 60. I missed so many words. So she said, look, you're an A student. You need to go do it again. So I went and studied more. I think I made an 85 finally on the third attempt at reciting the Canterbury Tales. And so when I think about the prologue, this is my first thought, is it takes me back to high school and I'm thinking, wah, 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 wah. What are you saying, John? What are you trying to teach us here? Well, I think the first thing that John's going to teach us is he's going to say, Jesus, before he went to that manger, he was the creator of our universe. He was the creator. 
Now, when you begin to study John chapter 1, you always need to keep in mind, John is trying to connect Genesis 1 with the life of Jesus. There's a connector there. And when we dive into chapter 1, verse 1, you're going to see the connector right off the bat because the very words that begin the Bible begin the Gospel of John, the story of Jesus' life. So with that in mind, we're going to start in John chapter 1. Just read a few verses, but I want to start with John chapter 1, verse 1, and here's what he says. In the beginning, in the beginning. When you go back to Genesis 1, how does it start? In the beginning, same concept. And that's why John is showing us before he goes to the cross, before he's born in Bethlehem, what you need to know about Jesus is he is God in the flesh. He's connected to the very beginning of humanity. He's connected to the very beginning of creation. He's actually connected to eternity past that does not even have a time element that we can use to describe it. He was there in the beginning. And so in the same way that Genesis 1-1 begins with that phrase, John begins the story of Jesus in eternity past and says, in the beginning. And here's what he says. In the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. He was with God in the beginning. And then here it is, verse 3. All things were created through Him, and apart from Him, not one thing was created that had been created. Then if you'll go from verse 3 to verse 10, He was in the world, and the world was created through Him. Before you get to the manger, you have to know Jesus is the Creator. Well, why should we want to know that today? Why in 2022 would we want to be reminded that Jesus is the Creator? The reason is, is that when you know Jesus is the Creator, He has the perspective that we need for all seasons of life. He's got the perspective. Sometimes we go through a little bit of our life, a season of our life where we think we're the only people who've ever been through this. I mean, nobody else has ever experienced something that I'm experiencing currently, and we think we're the only one, and therefore there's nobody who can bring perspective to what we're going through. Well, in the case of Jesus, because He was God in the flesh, and He existed before time ever began, He has the greatest perspective on what human life is all about. Let me illustrate that. If we have anybody here today who was born in the year 2000, you are now 22 years old. That is your perspective. You only have 22 years. Now, you've learned a lot in those 22 years. You can tell us a lot about the 22 years you've lived, but that is your perspective. But do you know that I was born in 1970? I'm 52. I'm not ashamed to say that. I'll be 53 in the next year. I was born in 1970, so my perspective is from 1970 to 2022. Are there some things that could happen to the person who's living between 2000 and 2022 that they might not have experienced, that I have experienced. And so if they get in a bind, because I have a greater perspective, they can come to me and say, what do you think? Have you ever experienced this? And I can say, yes, I've lived 52 years instead of 22 years, and this is what I went through, and this is how I handled it, this is how God helped me, and so I can bring a different perspective, a broader perspective. But then we've got a few people in the room who were born in 1950, and their perspective spans even longer than my life. And so when I run into situations that I don't understand, that I've not seen God work through, I can go to the person born in 1950 who's now 
72, we won't call out those people today and have them stand up, we'll just assume they're with us, they've got a larger perspective from which to draw the grace of God, the mercy of God, the love of God, the sovereignty of God, the providence of God, and so we can go to them. But do you realize when we talk about Jesus being the creator, he's from eternity to eternity. There is nothing that you've been through, that I've been through, that Jesus does not understand. He's the creator. That should give us hope today that we can turn to Jesus any time in our life and He's got the perspective being the creator of all that we see and He will live beyond us. He's an eternal God who existed before time, who will exist for all eternity, and He has perspective for us. And that's why I think John wants to say before he went to the manger, he's the creator. He's got the perspective that we all need on life. The second thing that says to us is, is that Jesus has the power that we need in this life. He's got the power. Now, I want to leave from this idea of the creator in John chapter one. And I want to take you to Colossians chapter one, because Paul is going to write about the same concept that Jesus was the creator. He was God in the flesh. And he's going to add another component to this idea of Jesus being the creator. And he's going to suggest to us that because Jesus is the creator, he's got the power that we need for all of life because he literally holds it all together. Would you go with me to Colossians chapter 1, verse 15? He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn over all creation. Then verse 16 says, For everything was created by Him. There it is again, same thing John has said. In heaven and on earth, the things that are visible and the invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things have been created through Him. That means Jesus. This is a section on Jesus. He's outlining for us who Jesus is. So He says all things through Jesus have been created and they are for Him. But then the next verse, verse 17, He is before all things and by Him all things hold together. He's got the power. Now, I had no idea this morning that our friends from Ukraine were here. I had no idea. Uh, I knew they were in town. I'd gotten a message that they were going to be visiting some churches. And we're so thankful that you're with us today. But I would guess that their world feels like it is totally out of control. Totally out of control. Things are happening there. We're not trying to make a political statement about one side or the other. We're just making a statement that in life, their world is upside down. And I'm sure for the last, however long it's been, they feel like everything has come apart. But the scripture tells us clearly that because Jesus is the creator, he not only created it, he holds it currently together in his power. Therefore, if you're here today and your life feels like it's out of control, there's something that's out of sync. There's a problem that just can't seem to be resolved and you almost feel like giving up. Do not. Because in the prologue, what you need to know is before Jesus 
became a baby at the manger, and then eventually went to the cross. He's the Creator, and He holds everything together. Now, here's the problem in light of the two things that we've just talked about. He has the perspective and the power. The problem is, is that most of us refuse to trust Him with our lives. Would you go back to John's prologue in chapter 1, and we were going to pick up in verse 11, and we see the problem. John identified it. It says in verse, let's start in verse 10, then we'll get to verse 11. He was in the world, and the world was created through Him, and yet the world did not recognize Him. The world did not recognize Him. So even though He's the Creator, He's got the perspective. He's got the power. He's the one that went to the cross and died for us. He gave His life there. Even though He's got the power over sin and death, the Bible says in verse 10, the world did not recognize Him. And then verse 11, He came to His own. That means the Jewish people of all groups should have recognized He was God in the flesh. He was the Creator. He had the perspective. He had the power to give them the salvation they were longing for. He came to His own and His own people did not receive Him. That's the problem. Most of us today are still trying to hold things together in our own power. Sometimes we're even trying to earn salvation in our own works. And none of that will ever work. It has to be a complete trust in Jesus, the Creator, who eventually came to the manger and then went to the cross. And He died for us. And He paid the penalty for our sin. And He helped us gain eternal life when He overcame death on the third day. And yet most people don't want to receive Him. That's a problem. And that's why John would finish with what we want to talk about today by making a plea. If you've never discovered who Jesus is, today could be the day where you give your life to Jesus because He's making a plea to us in verse 12. But to all who did receive Him, He gave them the right to be the children of God. Today you can move out of a life where you're depending on your own strength, your own willpower, your own ingenuity, your own maneuvering. And you can decide, I'm not going to live that way anymore. I'm not going to use my abilities, my works, as the mechanism for salvation. I'm going to surrender to Jesus, the Creator the one who understands my life, knew the sin I was living in, chose to voluntarily lay down his life on the cross. He was buried after he died, was resurrected on the third day. I'm going to give him my life and trust him because I know he holds it all together and I can't find what I'm looking for outside of Jesus. And he says in verse 12, but to all who did receive him, he gave them the right to be children of God to those who believe in his name and then notice he says, who were born not of natural descent, nor of the will of the flesh or of the will of man, but of God. This is a work of God. God, from the beginning, when he created time and he created all that we see, his desire was to have a relationship with you and with me. And that was going to happen through Jesus. And he makes his plea. In fact, the entire Gospel of John, if you have your Bible and we'll go to John chapter 20, you'll find that John's entire purpose for writing this gospel that starts with a prologue about Jesus. It says in chapter 20, verse 30, Jesus performed many other signs in the presence of his disciples that are not written in this book, but these in verse 31 are written so that you may believe that Jesus is the Messiah, the Son of God, 
and that by believing you may have life in his name. John wrote the gospel as a plea to say to us today, will you trust Jesus? Yes, he was born in Bethlehem. Yes, he was born in a small stable, a cave. The shepherds came sometime later. The wise men came. All of that's true. But before he came to Bethlehem, he was the creator who created everything that we see. And he holds it all together, even to this day. And he would love for you to surrender your life to him so that he might be your savior. So as we finish this morning and move into the invitation, I just want to ask, like, would you consider Do you consider trusting Jesus, the creator, God in the flesh, who came to save you and save me through the cross? I'm going to lead us in a word of prayer. If you'll go ahead and bow your head, we're going to have our leaders for the invitation come back to the stage. And as you're just bowing there in the presence of God. If you're a believer in Jesus Christ, would you thank God for sending Jesus. If you're not a believer in Jesus Christ, would you allow the Spirit of God who's probably knocking on your heart's door, would you allow Him to speak to you about who Jesus is and give serious consideration this morning to surrendering your life to Him? We're going to sing Silent Night in just a moment. And while we're singing, if there's a decision that you need to make, I'll be available at the front. Heavenly Father, thank you for this time of worship. Thank you for reminding us today that our Savior Jesus, yes, he was born in Bethlehem. We've sung about that. We've celebrated that. We've reflected upon that. But before he ever went to the little manger and was born in Bethlehem, he was our creator. And he holds it all together today. For those who are hurting, struggling, and who feel like their lives are out of control, I pray that they would discover Jesus this morning. Speak to us in this invitation and let us be obedient. And we pray this in Jesus' name. If you would like more information about our church, you can go to www.discovercrosspoint.org and you'll find additional information about our church and our ministries. If this has been an encouragement to you, we hope you'll share it with others and give us a good rating and that way other people can find it as well. In the meantime, we hope you'll come back next week and join us for next week's sermon.